Hey there, I'm Sean Finnegan, and you are listening to Restitutio, a restorationist podcast that seeks to dig beneath the layers of tradition to discover authentic Christianity so we can live it out today. Although most often defined as peace, the Hebrew word shalom is much bigger than that. It refers to not only the absence of war, but also the presence of wholeness and safety. In this sermon, you'll gain a better understanding of this important biblical word, as well as what God's heart is for shalom in the world and in your life. At times, we all go through periods of crisis in which we lose our shalom, but thankfully, we can return to God over and over, and He can cause His face to shine upon us and give us peace. Here now is episode 530, God's Heart for Shalom. Yesterday marked kind of a milestone in my life. I had been taking a Hebrew class for two years, and uh, we met almost every week. This slave driver didn't really even give us the summer off, bless his heart. I finished it yesterday. It was a real feeling of not so much accomplishment as relief. Uh, Each class session, he began by saying these words to me. And uh, let's just say them all together, okay? On the count of three. One, two, three. You guys are pretty good. Some Some of you had a clue. That's really great. Ha shalom lecha. Every week for two years, more or less. I mean, we did have a couple of weeks off, but like, ha shalom lecha? Every week. And uh, the correct re- response to that is Shalom Li. So, Ha Shalom Lecha is a standard ancient Hebrew way of saying, How's it going? Okay? So, Ha is this uh, first symbol here. That means question mark. It also means the. So, you can imagine that's confusing, right? Then you have the word Shalom. That means uh, usually we translate it peace, but it's, it's bigger than that, as we'll see. So question mark, peace, and then this lamed here means two, and then cha means you if you're a singular masculine individual. Not like if you're a manly man, but if you're just male. Okay, just, well, I don't want to get into all that. But ha uh, shalom lecha, literally translated is question mark, peace to you? The correct answer is shalom li, peace to me. Okay? And I find that so fascinating that the hello word, the greeting, incorporates shalom in it in ancient Hebrew. And I was thinking about it. Well, in modern Hebrew, a number of you have been to Israel. I've been to Israel some years ago, and they just say shalom as hello. That just means hello. It, it, you know, it doesn't have necessarily a deep meaning all the time. It's just like, hey, how's it going? Shalom. Then I was thinking about us, and we have a goodbye that is very shalom. Peace. I don't know anybody that actually says that. Like, you get off the phone and they're like, peace, you know? <laughs> but it's, it's a thing, right? Or it used to be. I don't know. But uh, so, so peace and shalom, you know, it's, it's, it's really a big, a big concept. Uh, we're going to start in Judges chapter 19. My goal tonight is really just to cover what this word means because we typically translate it peace, but it's bigger than that. And I want to show you really from the Bible how this word works, because it works in some ways that are 
maybe not so obvious to you and that really do have a bearing on your life as we go through this weekend. You'll see that. So this is a bizarre incident in Judges. Judges is great for just really weird stuff that people do to each other. And uh, we're not going to read all of Judges uh, 19, but uh, we will just begin with this one scene here where a man and his entourage, you know, his uh, concubine, his servants, and all their baggage and animals, they're making their way. They're on a long journey, and it's getting later and later and later, and the sun is going down, and they don't want to stay on the road. So they turn into a town, and they, they go to the town square, and at the town square, they're just sitting there waiting to see what will happen, hoping, I think, doesn't say this, but probably hoping somebody will say, hey, looking for a place to stay? Come stay with me. And, and nobody's doing that, so they're just hanging out there. And we're going to begin in verse 16, where it says, And behold, an old man was coming from his work in the field at evening. The man was from the hill country of Ephraim, and he was sojourning in Gibeah. The men of the place were Benjamites. And he lifted up his eyes and saw the traveler in the open square of the city. And the old man said, Where are you going? And where did you come from? And he said to him, We are passing from Bethlehem and Judah to the remote parts of the hill country of Ephraim from which I come. I went to Bethlehem and Judah, and I am going to the house of the Lord, but no one has taken me into his house. We have straw and feed for our donkeys with bread and wine for me and your female servant and the young man with your servants, there's no lack of anything. And the old man said, Peace be to you, I will care for all your wants. Only do not spend the night in the square. So he brought him into his house and gave the donkeys feed, and they washed his feet and ate and drank. So a couple of things about this I want to look at with you. The first is, don't you find it a little bit hysterical that he goes on and on about how he's got everything, he's not going to be a burdensome guest. You know, I think that's so funny. It's like, look, we got, we got animals, we got the food for the animals, we got, we got bread, we got wine, you know, we got everything. Just need a place to sleep, you know? <laughs> Nobody's taking us in, hint, hint. So uh, the old man's like, all right, look, peace to you. Let's zoom in on that verse. That's Judges 19, verse 20. It says, and the old man said, peace be to you. I will care for all your wants, only do not spend the night in the square. This phrase, peace to you, believe it or not, is shalom lecha. He said that to this guy. And so what is, what is he conveying by these words, by saying shalom to you or peace to you? What is he saying to him? He's saying, look, I got you. Stay with me. Don't stay in the square. And if you are familiar with the rest of the story, there's a lot of misbehavior. The people in this village are animals, and they end up killing, raping, and murdering this guy's concubine. I mean, it's really bad people in this town. And so this old guy is like putting his shalom on the traveler and his whole situation and inviting him into his house. I think it's a good picture for us of what true shalom is. Let's look at another one in chapter 6, verse 19. In this incident, there's an angel who visits Gideon, and it's hysterical because Gideon is bent over in a wine press, and he's threshing wheat. So he's kind of like down low, and he's threshing his wheat, 
Let me just do it over here for you guys so you can see me threshing wheat. <laughs> Who knows if that's really what it looks like, right? It's like, that could be shoveling snow, right? <laughs> you could be doing anything. I'm not much of a, a charades guy, right? But uh, he's threshing his wheat in a wine press because he's so scared the Midianites are going to see his wheat and steal it. And he's really in a tough situation. And the, and the angel of the Lord comes up to Gideon and he says to him, Greetings, mighty man of valor. And Gideon's just like, me? The angel starts speaking to him, and they have this whole conversation. We pick it up in verse 19. But basically what, what Gideon says is like, hey, let me go get you some food, and I'll be right back. So he runs home, and that's in verse 19. It says, so Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and 11 cakes from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket, and the broth he put in a pot and brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the eleven cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Verse 21, Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the eleven cakes, and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the eleven cakes. Bet that got his attention. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Whoa, this is kind of weird, right? So he's, he's talking to this messenger. I don't think he thinks it's an angel messenger, just like a guy bringing a message. And he runs home, and he prepares this lavish meal. I mean, how long does it take to kill a goat and skin it and get the meat off and then cook it? I mean, that's, that's some serious work, some serious effort. And he's got the flour and he makes bread out of the flour, and he doesn't have an oven. You know, he's just using fire, and, you know, maybe he's got a clay oven or something. But, like, it's, it's not like you just turn it on, preheat it, while you do the other things, and then the beep sounds, and then you... It's none of that, right? So it's, it's long, slow. So he, he goes through this whole process, and he brings the food to this honored guest, and the guy says, put it on the stone, put it on the rock, and then he lights it on fire. <laughs> I don't know, what do you even think, what, what do you do with that, right? It's like, I really worked on that stew. <laughs> like, I seasoned it, man. Um, whatever, he doesn't say, but like he lights it on fire, and then the angel vanishes in the fire. Would you be a little freaked out? Just like, and what about the soup? You know, like, <laughs> Unbelievable. So he's freaked out. Verse 22, but Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. Wow, he must have had really strong powers of perception, huh? And Gideon also said, Gideon said, alas, O Lord God. And the word God there is all capitalized. It's Yahweh. Alas, O Lord Yahweh, for now I have seen the angel of Yahweh face to face. Verse 23, but Yahweh said to him, peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord, to Yahweh, and called it, Yahweh is peace. To this day, it stands at Oprah's house. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. At Ophrah, which belongs to the Abiezrites. The Oprah joke never gets old. You know, I'm just going to say that. You know? But uh, let's focus here. Focus here, Sean. Uh, what were we talking about? So 
So Gideon's there. He, this angel disappears. He freaks out. And then God speaks to him and says to him these words, the same words we've been looking at. He says to him, Shalom lecha. He says, peace to you. He says, Shalom to you, Gideon. Gideon's thinking, I've just seen an angel of God face to face. I feel like I'm going to die. And God says, Shalom lecha. It's okay. You're not, and then he literally says, you're not going to die. Fear not, you're not going to die. That's pretty cool. And then this other part in verse 24, Gideon builds an altar and he calls it Yahweh Shalom. The Lord is peace or the Lord is Shalom. Yahweh is Shalom. He learns something about God. God's heart for shalom. God's heart for you is that you would have shalom. God's heart for all people is that they would have shalom, that they wouldn't have the terror that this guy was experiencing, but that they would have, in this case, relief, recognizing that God is good. He's not going to kill you because you saw his angel face to face. You know, when Jesus, at his resurrection, and this is in Luke 24, 36, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Shalom lachem. This is a new word. It's actually the same word, but lachem is just an ending that means plural. So shalom to all of you. Imagine that. They're in this room. They think Jesus is dead. He appears in the room, and his words are shalom lachem. Stop freaking out. It's okay. Right? That's the shalom that Jesus is wishing to bring to them. Another one that's very similar to this is uh, when Jesus sends out the disciples to go preach to others. He says, and whatever house you enter, greet it. And if your ha- the house is worthy, let your shalom come upon it. You know, our translations say peace, but it's, I'm going to show you it's more than just peace. Let your shalom come upon that house. And then it says, but if it is not worthy, let your shalom return to you. Isn't that interesting? So, I don't know, I, I've been asking myself this question because, you know, you see the word shalom all the time when you study Hebrew, it's in the greetings. What's the deal with this? What's the obsession with the word shalom? And I was thinking about it, and I, I was uh, reminded of a song. Uh, I was reminded of a song that uh, it's like a celebratory song. Maybe Pastor Victor will be familiar with it. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. You know, it's a celebratory song. And uh, so it's sung at weddings and this sort of thing. And, uh, you know, I've never sung from this stage before. Dad's, Dad's telling me, don't do it. Don't cross that line. I don't, have, <laughs> I don't have a great singing voice, but, you know, I can carry a tune. And uh, so I, I, was, I was thinking I would just sing this song for you. It's called Hevenu Shalom Alechem. Okay? And Havenu means we bring, we bring shalom, peace, right? Alechem means upon all of you. Okay, so we bring peace upon all. So I'm just going to sing it and don't judge me, okay? Don't judge me. I'm not going to get on a microphone. I don't need the reverb. I'm just going to, I'm just going to see what happens, right? This might be the last time, Eden, you know, first time, last time, but here it goes. Hevenu shalom alechem. Hevenu shalom alechem. 
Hevenu shalom alechem. Hevenu shalom, shalom, shalom alechem. All right, now, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Don't quit your day job. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But I want you to sing it with me. Because the Jewish people, they never sing this song alone. And I'm not Jewish, but I'm not breaking their rules. Okay? So I think we sing it together. You got the words? Havenu, shalom, alechem. And a little ch in the chem there. Okay? All right. Are we ready? Havenu, shalom, alechem. That's beautiful. Havenu, shalom, alechem. A little faster. Havenu, shalom. All right, one more time, but we clap. Okay? And we go fast. Are you ready? No. So they, they say hello and they say shalom and they, they're at a wedding and they're singing, they're singing about shalom. You know, this is just a shalom culture. The Hebrew language, the Hebrew people, it's all throughout the Bible. What's the deal with all this shalom? I'm curious. I'm curious. So I want to go with you through a few definitions that I found of the word shalom by looking at some verses where it's used. And so I've got these just on the screen for you because I'm going to go a little fast. It might be hard to follow in your Bible. But Genesis, Genesis 29, verse 5 says, He said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? They said, We know him. He said to them, Is it well with him? They said, It is well. When it says here, Is it well with him? And it is well, is actually the Hebrew word shalom. Is, is there shalom with him? There's shalom. That's really what they said. I love this translation. It's fine. I'm not criticizing it. Shalom means you're well. It means you have good welfare. Uh, like Judges 18.15, And they turned aside there and came to the house of the young Levite at the home of Micah and asked him about his shalom. Asked him about his welfare. So it means welfare. It also means peace. No surprise there. Judges 4.17 but Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Canaanite, for there was peace between Jabin and the king of Hazor and the house of Heber the Kenite. At least that's what he thought. Uh, that didn't end well. But that's the word shalom again, translated peace. Deuteronomy 29, 19. One who, when he hears the words of this sworn covenant, blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall be safe. Here the word shalom is translated safe. So if you have shalom, the first definition of welfare, it means you're well, you're, you're okay. And then here it means you're safe, you have peace. And then a third meaning, these are all very similar kinds of meanings, but the third meaning is completeness. Joshua 8.30 says, At that time Joshua built an altar, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones. Do you spot the word shalom? Uncut. This is the adjective form of the word shalom. 
is the word uncut. This is a shalom stone. It's not a stone that has been chipped away by tools. It's, a shal- it's complete. It's whole. You got it? Or 1 Kings 9.25, three times a year, Solomon used to offer up burnt offerings and peace offerings on the altar he built to the Lord. So he finished. This is as a verb. He shalomed, but it's the same word as shalom. Shalom is the verb form of shalom. Okay, we don't need to get too technical, but he, he finished the house. The house got to a, a state of shalom, the house of God. This is talking about the temple. And then number four is restoration. Exodus 22, verse 1, If a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. The word repay is the verb form of shalom. What happened? He took somebody else's ox. I mean, I don't know if you've ever had an ox taken, but it's probably very upsetting. Ox can do a lot of work. Or you take a sheep, you don't have shalom anymore. Right? So you need to, you need to restore the shalom. How are you going to shalom this situation? Well, it says five oxen. That'll do it. If you give him five back after you've taken one, then he will have, it's shalom. It's, it's repaid. Exodus 22:14. If a man borrows anything of his neighbor and it is injured or dies, the owner not being with it, he shall make full shalom. Translated restitution here. So let me give you some definitions here just to, to flesh this out a little bit. The Hebrew Aramaic lexicon of the Old Testament defines shalom as intactness. Isn't that an interesting first definition? Intactness, well-being, completeness, peace, concord, friendship, reconciliation, soundness, security, safety, healthy, successful. Look at this list of words. You tell me which one of those words you don't want in your life. Which one don't you want in your life? You want all those in your life. Of course you do. You want to have success and intactness. I don't know what the opposite of intactness is, but it doesn't sound good. You know, you want to have friendship. Shalom is a good word. It's a big word. Look at all these definitions. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says the Hebrew word shalom is both adjective and substantive, meaning primarily soundness, health, but coming also to signify prosperity, well-being in general, and I love this part, all good in relation to both God and man. If you are all good with people and you're good here, you've got total shalom. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. One more definition. This is from Irman's Dictionary of the Bible. It says, The Hebrew term for peace is derived from the verb to complete, make sound. This verb is often used to express the finish of major buildings. The term is used in the sense of restoration or repaying debts. The noun has an even broader use. As a greeting, the root of shalom is used to inquire of the welfare of individuals or groups. This is further the sense of shalom as a state of being, as in contentment or tranquility. If you have shalom, you are in a state of tranquility. You're in a state of completeness, of soundness, you're good. You have shalom. What would a car look like if it didn't have shalom? <laughs> it would be missing a wheel, right? That's a car with no shalom. I don't think that driver's got much shalom either as he's watching the wheel go past him, right? 
What would the human body be like without shalom? This is a sprained ankle. Look at that sucker. Huh? That's nasty. Shalom is completeness, intactness. Everything's right. If you have a sprained ankle like this, you can't walk normally. You, you know, you, you, you kind of hobble around, right? You don't have shalom. What is a relationship between people without shalom? It's a fight. If you're fighting with somebody, you don't have shalom. Tim Mackey's got a nice video on shalom from the Bible Project in which he says, Shalom refers to something that is complex with lots of pieces that is in a state of completeness. Life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. When any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. So I want to tell you about an incident that happened to me a month ago. We were on a vacation, my family. We were in the city of Rome in Italy, and we were at a restaurant in Italy, just a short walk from the Vatican. And, you know, these restaurants, I don't know if you've ever had Italian food, doesn't matter here or there or wherever, right? There's no such thing as fast Italian food. And so every time we went to a restaurant as a family, it took hours. You know, I'm not even sure why. You know, like, I have this, like, American sensibility of efficiency of, like, you know, you guys could be making more money if you did it this way, and then you, you know, timed everything out, right? They don't believe like that. It's like, what's wrong with you, man? Just relax. <laughs> Took us all day to make this sauce. You're going you're gonna to just eat it and run? What, are you crazy? Sit down. So they have us sit down, and we're eating. You know, we eat for, like, I don't know, it's like an hour, two hours, three hours, whatever it is. Like, an hour goes by, and my two older sons... Uh, 17 and 15, they, they look at me, and you know, we, had, we had been in, in the city for two nights. They had seen me navigating. Primarily, we just used the bus system because it's, it's very inexpensive, and it, you know, there are buses, and it's, it's how you get around to the hotel and other places. They said, Dad, we'd like to go. We know you, this is going to be hours still. You're going to be sitting here before you get the check, and we're just we're done. You know, we already ate an hour ago. We've been sitting here doing nothing. Were you ever a teenager? Do you remember what it was like? Sitting for hours is not part of the package. So they're just like, you know, we're out. We're, we're going to use our phones. We're going to use Google Maps or Apple Maps or whatever. And we're going we're gonna to navigate through the city. We're going we're gonna to take a bus back to the hotel. So I look at Ruth. You know, we're like, all right, well, you know, let's, you guys go ahead. We'll meet you back at the hotel. And again, you know, we had been in the city for a couple of days. You know, we had, we had done the bus thing before. And they... They, they, have, they have cell phones. You know, everything will be fine, right? So anyhow, in honor of my, uh, my brother-in-law, Sean Kelly, where, where's, where did he go? He was in here. There he was. I ordered a tiramisu because I knew if you were there, you would order a tiramisu. So I said, I'm going to do it in honor of brother Sean Kelly. And uh, so I ordered the tiramisu, and uh, I'm, I'm there with Ruth and Wes, and we're just sitting there for hours and hours and hours and hours. And, uh, you know, like 15 minutes passes by, and I... Uh, to my wife's horror, I flagged down the waiter, and I said, you know, what happened to the tiramisu? Maybe it was 20 minutes, I don't know. And he's just like, I forgot. <laughs> I just, I forgot. And he went and he got the tiramisu and he gave it to me. That was, like, if I hadn't done that, I'd still be there. <laughs> right? So, you know, we eat it. It's like another hour. We finally get the paycheck and everything. And we, go, we decide we're going to leave. We're going to we go to the bus. We get the bus, go back to, you know, somewhat near the hotel, because the buses never quite go all the way there. You know, you got to walk some of the way. 
and uh, we're navigating the city streets. It's 10 o'clock at night. They left us about 9 o'clock, so it's now 10 o'clock at night. And uh, I, get a, I get a phone call from my son, and he says to me, we're in a bad situation here. We, we went to the bus stop, and we knew which bus was the right bus, and we were standing in the right place, and the bus drove by us and didn't stop. I said, oh, that's terrible, son. It's terrible. You know, that's already happened to me a couple of times in, in Rome. Like, that's the thing that happens. It's terrible. And then he says to me, so we went to another bus station, and uh, we, we found another bus, and uh, it never came. And then uh, we waited for another full cycle, another full rotation on the schedule, and it still never came. And we've got 13% battery life between two phones, and we're, we're far away. You say, I said, well, how long does it take to walk to the hotel? He says to me, 15 minutes. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. <laughs> well, shoot, son, just, just walk. You know, like, what are you doing messing around with the buses? You know, just, just, just walk. Like, I'm 15 minutes away, and I took a bus, you know? So, uh, you know, it turned out, though, he, he didn't say 15 minutes. That's what I heard. He said 50 minutes. All right, so I'm under the impression he said 15 minutes, and I got off the phone quick, because after I heard that, I'm like, forget about it, huh? You know, just walk. So anyhow, we, we navigate our way back to the hotel. We're in the hotel. We're sitting there, and I'm thinking, okay, these kids are going to be here in 15 minutes. Half hour rolls by, no kids. Now it's 1030. Another half hour rolls by. Now it's 11 o'clock. It's been an hour. I'm calling them. They're not answering the phone. I don't know if you guys know about Snapchat, but it has this geolocation where it tells you where you're at, and, uh, you know, it's not working. And, you know, we're, we're starting to get a little concerned. So I go out, and I, I rent uh, one of these scooters. They have these, uh, like, kid scooters that adults use. <laughs> you know, you just you take your phone, and you pop, and, you know, now I'm on a scooter. Mm. So I, I scooter around about, you know, like a mile circumference, looking everywhere for these kids, thinking, you know, maybe they're nearby, but they just can't find the hotel. I don't know. So I'm on the scooter for like 15, you know, they charge you by the minute. So I'm like counting the minutes, like 15 minutes. All right, let's go back. Go back. No kids. You know, and then another hour passes. Now it's two hours. Two hours. No call. You call them. It doesn't go through. I lost my shalom. I lost it. I had no shalom. I had no shalom. Now we get to midnight. It's midnight. We're going to leave the next morning. We got to get up early. We got to go to the. We got to go to the train station. The train station to the to the airport. The airport to like all the other stuff, right? Like, we got to go in like six hours. We're leaving. We're out of the country. If these kids don't come home, it's not like we're coming back. You know? Like I hope someday we could go back, but like. Maybe not. Who knows? So it's now it's midnight. I haven't seen these kids since 9 o'clock. And uh, so I, I rent another scooter. And I pray with my wife and I. We prayed together. Of course, I was praying like pretty much nonstop at this point, just like constantly asking God for, for help here. And so I get another scooter, and I'm just like, we had their last known location, which was, uh, you know, it's like an hour away uh, by walking. I'm like, I'm going to do a search grid back and forth all the way until I get there. And so I'm out on the scooter. I'm on the scooter for 45 minutes, and I'm just going up and down. And you wouldn't believe what my brain was doing to me. It was inventing 
all of these horror scenarios. It was insane. Because I'm not by nature a worried person. But I was a worried person. You know, two, three hours late, right? So I'm thinking, they got kidnapped. They got kidnapped. They're being held for ransom. But they don't know what my phone number is. Because <laughs> it's, not, it's not my American phone. My American phone number doesn't work. You know, we're in another country. So, like, they don't know how to, like, get the ransom. Or, you know, you know your brain's going, or they're dead. You know, they got hit by a bus that they're trying to catch, you know? you know? And I'm just like, I'm really starting to freak out, and I'm praying, and I'm asking God and everything like this. And uh, then I finally get the message from my wife, and she says to me, the boys have come home safe. And in that moment, shalom. In that moment, it just, it was, it was, it was absolute relief. I literally broke out into a goofy smile on the scooter in downtown Rome, driving around at, you know, 12.30, 1 in the morning, like a dumb American, you know. And uh, I just had this goofy smile. I couldn't even be mad at the kids. I, I just couldn't. It was just like I was so relieved. And, uh, of course, you know, we asked them what happened, and they're like, oh, you know, we, uh, after we got off the phone with you, we knew you were going to be no help because you just said walk, and we're an hour away. But they did. They walked. They walked, and then, but then the phone died, so then it was a little hard to like, figure out which turns to make in a foreign city. But they figured it out. Isn't that incredible? And they, they made it all the way home, and uh, we returned to a state of shalom. I got those three sweet hours of sleep, and then we got out <laughs> to the, the train, to the airport, and everything else. But what, what is God's heart for shalom? That's, that's really the question. He doesn't want us to be all tight and anxious and worried and, and, and concerned about this and about that. And, you know, what about your job and what about your relationship? And not that we shouldn't have any concerns in life, but like he wants us, God wants us to have shalom. Amen? He wants you to have shalom in your relationships. He wants you to have shalom in your home. He wants you to have, we should have shalom in the church. Sometimes you can't, well, many times you can't control your surroundings especially at work, but you can still have shalom even in the midst of people that do not care or want shalom in their lives. So this is, this is what we're going to be looking at together. And my belief is that God's heart is for you to have shalom. And I say that because when God made the universe, there was shalom. There was harmony. There was completeness. There was intactness. Adam and Eve had a good relationship with God. It wasn't, it wasn't weird. It wasn't strained. It wasn't like, oh, I don't know if we should talk to God today. There was none of that. And they had a good relationship with each other. You don't get any of those like husband jokes or wife jokes in the, in the paradise garden of God. They're both naked and unashamed. That's shalom. I challenge you to be naked with, with anybody and be I mean, it's hard, right? I mean, that's a state of shalom. Some of you are like, I don't care, you know. <laughs> there was shalom in the beginning. Between humans and the animals, there was shalom. Everything was good, right? And we lost our shalom. We lost it. We fell, we rebelled, we committed sin. 
And so what's God do? He doesn't just say, well, they didn't want the shalom, so forget them. No, he doesn't say that, right? What does God do? He begins working within creation. He calls Abraham and Sarah, and he calls these other descendants and, and builds this legacy that culminates in Jesus of Nazareth, who it says made shalom with us through the cross. Jesus made peace with God for us, right? Jesus says, my peace I give to them. Not as the world gives it, give I unto them. There is something of what Christ has accomplished that we can steward and have in our lives today as we seek God's peace. We seek peace with God. We seek peace with with others. But not just peace, wholeness, intactness, completeness. And in the end, when we look at the end of the Bible, what do you see? You see a world in harmony. Once again, you see completeness, wholeness. You see a healing of the nations. It says even like the trees, the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. The nations need a lot of healing. Amen? Yeah, I think they do. And so do we. We need healing. And, uh, you know, sometimes our bodies don't have, you know, we have physical problems, right? We need, we need healing there, too, and healing in our relationship. And we need that shalom, that overall picture that God is going to bring in the last day in the kingdom age. So what, I, what I'm saying is, by looking at the beginning and you know, the storyline after that, and then looking at the end, I can see that God's heart is for you to have shalom. And you can even have it now. And I'd like to, to close by reading Numbers 6, 24 to 26. This is the blessing that God gave to the high priest, Aaron, to say over the people of Israel. It's incredibly powerful. It says... The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Isn't that something? Isn't that something that we can have right now in our lives, that we can have Yahweh's blessing, that we can have Yahweh's face shining upon you? You could just imagine that with like a a mother and a little infant child, that she, her face is shining and smiling at that little baby. We've got a couple of infants here tonight. Just watch how the, mother, how the mother's face is with that baby. It's powerful. Let God's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And, and may he give you shalom. You, can, you may be able to get some relief from uh, counseling, from psychology, from Uh, self-help books from other strategies to hack your life, but it's not going to compare to the shalom that God can give you. And if God gives you shalom, you've got shalom. Well, that brings this sermon to a close. What would you think? Come on over to restitutio.org and find episode 530, God's Heart for Shalom, and leave your feedback there. Also, let me know what you think about the music. I changed up the song and messed around a little bit. Let me know what your thoughts are. Should we stay or should we go? Is this better? Is this worse? I don't know. I get tired of the same song. They say you should never change your theme music, but uh, I haven't really followed any, any of the other rules for podcasting, and it seems to have worked out just fine. So, Yeah, if you like the new music, uh, say something on episode 530, God's Heart for Shalom, and maybe we'll keep it, or maybe we won't. Uh, Now, I've been blown away by all of you who have been getting my new book, Kingdom Journey. That's right, it's out. 
Thank you so much to all of you who have bought it so far. And if, if you have a copy, can you do me a favor? Can you post a picture of it? I know it's such a stupid, cliche thing to do, but can you please post a picture of it on whatever social media you use? And then other people will see it and people will ask questions, be like, oh, I saw you got this book. Uh, you know, wh what's it all about? And we can get this message out there. And that's really the goal here. I so want this message to get out there. The kingdom is such a big deal, and it just breaks my heart that so few honest-hearted Christians know about it. Let's be kingdom ambassadors together. Also, a few of you have already finished reviewing it and have rated it on Amazon and written Amazon reviews. This is such a big help. Here's one of those reviews. This is from Richie. He said, I've listened to many of Sean's podcasts and watched videos of his talk, so I had high expectations for his book, Kingdom Journey. I was not disappointed. Sean is a great writer, and the book is a real page-turner. Its content is, as would be expected, based on sound scholarly investigation and springs from Sean's restorationist ideals. This is a great book for those who want to find out the original true gospel as taught in the Bible. And it goes on from there. You can read the full review if you're interested in what else Richie wrote on Amazon under Kingdom Journey. Thanks so much, Richie. Uh, thanks so much for writing this. It's such a big help. I'm sure many of you also shop on Amazon. And when you see a product with a lot of reviews, you take it much more seriously than one that has only a couple of reviews. So, yeah, if you're the review type, can you help me out with this and come on over to Amazon, leave an honest review, and please help get the word out. In other news, I'm excited to announce that I'm going to be launching a new class for the new year starting next week, and it's called Read the Bible for Yourself. Here's the description. Do you want to learn to read the Bible for yourself? Whether you are new to Scripture or you've been reading it for years, this class will empower you to read and understand the Bible like never before. You'll gain key insights into the context, content, and application of Scripture so you can take your reading and understanding to the next level. So stay tuned next week for episode one of this new class, which will be called, Why Should You Read the Bible for Yourself? Well, that's enough for this episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening here to the end. Uh, if you'd like to support us, you can do that at restitutio.org. We'll catch you next week. And remember, the truth has nothing to fear.